The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. Hello, sunshine, and welcome to She Was the Fire. It's time to stop dancing in the dark. Let's start your fire and ignite your spark. I'm Courtney Mangan, and this is episode eight of season two. And today I am doing a story time episode. I asked you guys to vote on what content you wanted next from me, and it was overwhelmingly that you wanted me to just tell some personal stories. So I've decided to do an England or European edition, I guess I would call it today. And that's what we're doing. Just telling you some shit that went down when I traveled to Europe. But before we start, as always, if you would be willing to share this podcast, screenshot it and tag me on Instagram, that would be amazing so that I can spread the word and get some more people in here and help some other people build their confidence, live the life they want to, wear sunscreen, all the things that we're trying to work on here. All right, guys, let's kick off with firstly what I've been up to before we get into today's topic. So... I think the last podcast that you listened to with me was with the Centennial Beauty Girls. So because it was a guest interview, I didn't really go into what I've been up to lately. So since um, the last couple of weeks where I haven't recapped anything, I have celebrated Sam's 30th belated birthday and it was a bloody hoot. I had just finished my immunotherapy treatment. My final day was on the Thursday and then his party was on the Saturday night and it went off like literally, it was probably one of the best parties I've ever been to. I have a lot of issues with alcohol. For some reason, either I go from one extreme where it's like I drink a lot and nothing really happens. Um, I have like quite a good tolerance to alcohol or because of my, my weight loss surgery, I'll drink like a little bit and then it'll make me really bloated and feel ill. But then all the stars aligned the other night and I drank and I felt like the effects of the alcohol. I just felt like free to dance and get up and do what I want to. And I think it was also like the end of immunotherapy. I just felt like I wanted to like let loose. So I was up on the dance floor like the whole night. I paid for it the next day. I didn't have a hangover, but my body was broken. Side effects of immuno, obviously fatigue and um, pain in your joints. I could barely even walk the next day. My knee joints, so my knees and my hip joints were like so bad. It was terrible. So I really broke myself. I want to say for a week I was still sore in my joints. So it was worth it though. It was such a good time. And then since then also I have been on a speed dating event thing. So on Valentine's Day, my friend Belinda, who's also single, asked if I would go to her Um, go with her to a speed dating event. Now, it was at a bar that is not really a place that I attend. I've never been there before, but it's like a very young sort of, I don't even know how you would describe it, just like a very casual um, place where like 19, 20-year-olds go to like drink a beer kind of vibe, Um, which I don't know if you know me that well, but that's not really my vibe. I don't drink beer firstly. Um, and I'm certainly not 19 or 20 years old and I'm not interested in dating anybody that's like that either. I'm looking for more of like a corporate man who understands that I work all the time, you know, that kind of a vibe. And he certainly wasn't at this venue. And I think my friend Belinda thought that it was going to be like, oh, maybe we'll still meet some people. I went in with very low expectations and they met those low expectations. That's for sure. So basically it ran an hour and a half late. And then 
Like instead of like I thought speed dating was like you go around to different people and meet lots of different people individually. They put us in like groups of five women, groups of five men. Then you sat across from each other and played Jenga. But the place was so loud that you couldn't even hear each other communicating. And then every 10 minutes, like the guys would get up and leave and another five guys would sit down. But there was way more women than men. So sometimes there was just no guys there. Or if the guys didn't like the look of the girls at the table, they just wouldn't sit down. They just stay with the hotter girls or whatever. So it was just a real bust. And after a while, like I, the minute I got there, I knew. I had like a huge issue with getting a drink. I ordered a drink. I paid for my drink. They asked me to go sit down. They bring it out to me. It took half an hour before I was like, where's my drink? They were then quite rude to me at the bar. I then had to go to a different bar because they were like, you can't come here, go somewhere else, even though I'd ordered it originally there. Went there. They then like were like ignoring me at the bar for quite some time. Then I finally spoke to the guy who I originally ordered my drink. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, walked off, never came back. I then went back to my seat because I was like, this is fucked. I'm done with this drink. Like, it's just not even worth it. And then I sat down and a bartender came over and I said to him, like, hey, I'm still waiting on my drink. It's been like 45 minutes. And I've also chased it up several times. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get back to you. And then just never came back with my drink. So that was awkward. Then Belinda went to the bar sometime after that. And they said, oh, sorry, we lost your drink ticket. And then we couldn't remember, like, where you were seated. So apparently that's what happened. So it was a bit of a debacle. Um, so I wasn't in, like, the best of mind to begin with because I was like, I really would like a drink. And there's no one willing to give you one, even though I paid for it. Um, but, like, it was, I will say, super busy and they had everybody arrive to the venue at exactly the same time. So, you know, I don't want to like call any of these bars out or whatever. It was like they were very busy. So I see I'm sure on a normal night they wouldn't have such bad service. Um, So yeah, it just wasn't like the vibe for us. Like I think that if you were like 19, 20 years old, you wanted to have like a fun night, get pissed and go home with someone for the night just like a one night stand kind of vibe, it was definitely a good place for that. Like I could see that being exactly what you wanted, but that's not really what I'm after. So I had low expectations. It was very low. After a while, Belinda was like, okay, we're out of here. And after we left, we saw on Instagram that they then had like some of the guys get up and have to do like a strip tease, like on one of the girls, you know, like you get a stripper at like a bachelorette party and the girl sits on a chair and the guy like grinds on her or whatever. That was then what the night kind of evolved into. So kind of glad that we left at that point. Look, if I was 19 or 20, perhaps that's where I'd want to be. 34, that's not where I'd rather be. I'd rather be in bed alone sleeping, to be honest. (laughs) So yeah, anyway, um, it was good to put myself out there, rip off the bandaid, try one of those events. I'm definitely open to another singles event, but if it's more in like, you know, like Moo Moo's, a restaurant that like the kind of person that I would want to be dating would frequent, that kind of thing. You know, there was like a lot of like, yeah, it was just a lot of younger guys that were just not really my vibe. There were a lot of neck and face tattoos. I like a guy with tattoos, but like not huge on face tattoos myself, but each to their own. Anyway, The moral of the story is I'm open to it in the future. We shall see. Stay tuned. All right, let's get into today's fire start, get into today's fire starter, sorry. And because this is my European adventure story time, I'm going with a British singer. I'm going Amy Winehouse slash Mark Ronson, Valerie. What a bloody banger that song is put that on and you just want to get up and dance straight away. All right, let's ignite today's topic, story time, European adventure. 
So I want to preface this by saying I travel very badly. So there are a lot of people out there who, you know, love to travel and they want to wander lust or whatever it is and they just want to be adventures around the world. I would love to do that. However, my body does not like travel. I get the worst jet lag to the point where like I've actually passed out on planes because I just can't, ha- my body doesn't, ha- tra- can't handle the travel. Like it's so terrible. Um, and I just get sick very easily. Like as soon as I land, I've got a sore throat, the whole thing. So I travel really badly. So I'm not really like a hugely adventurous traveler, I would say, because I'm just always so bloody sick. But this particular trip, when I was 16, 17, and we graduated from high school, all of my friends, my closest friends, decided they were going to do a gap year. And so a gap year, uh, in our circumstances, was basically a school over in England would take you on and you would work at the school in like the boarding house looking after the students. So you're basically like a nanny for like um, like 20, 30 kids. That's basically how it works. They're all in their dorms. You live on the premises with them. You make sure they go to bed at night. They're doing their homework. You know, there's no funny business going on, all that kind of stuff. And all my friends decided they were going to do that. I don't like children, as you know, so I didn't think that was really for me. So I opted not to do that. However, when January came around and all of my friends were flying out to live in England for 12 months and I was like just here by myself, I was like, oh my God, all my friends are gone. Like they're over having this adventure and I'm here by myself. As soon as my friends left, left, I got glandular fever. So I was bedridden for three months. I was miserable. And all I could, luckily there was no Instagram. Can you imagine if I was just going on Instagram and seeing all my friends living life, but instead they were like writing me letters and emails. And we would do this thing where we'd record onto cassette tapes or dictaphones and send each other like in the mail, a cassette tape. So three months later, we finally got it. Anyway, so I decided that I really wanted to go over to visit my friends and my mum and dad were really good about it, like so good. I was 17 and they paid for me to have an open-ended ticket, so no return date, just the ability to return when I wanted to, to England with no plan, (laughs) like nowhere to stay. I was just going to go travel around and visit my friends and family over there. So that was basically what happened. Like I can't actually believe my parents let me go to begin with. But two, I can't believe it even that I was that person that was so adventurous. I'm like, I don't need a plan. I'm just getting on a plane. Like I can't even go to Brisbane right now without even like having a booking. I'll be like, I'm not going to drive to Brisbane without a booking. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Like I was going all the way to the other side of the fucking world to a place I'd like... I had been to England before, but when I was in grade three, so at a very young age, yes, I had some family over there, but I didn't really know any of them. It was like that family that you know of, but you never really see because they live in other countries. Um, So anyway, got on a plane with an open-ended ticket and just that was it. Arrived in England, all my friends were in London and there was like a whole heap of our friendship group. It was probably like 10-ish of us and hung out for a few days and then we were going to Germany. So a group of us went straight to Germany and that was the first time I'd been to Germany. And I had to like minimize my packing. So obviously I'd gone over there with an open-ended ticket and I knew that like I had a suitcase full of stuff But when we were going to Germany, we were going to hostels. So basically like backpacking around. So I had to like minimize all of my stuff into like a small bag. And then I left my suitcase at one of my friend's places. So 
that was firstly the biggest treacher. You know what I mean? Like, can you believe? Like right now I take like a full-size suitcase just for a weekend away and then I had to fit in to going to another country for a couple of weeks into a backpack? Who am I? I can't believe I did. I don't even know who I was now that I'm telling these stories. Like I can't even fit my toiletries in a backpack right now and I put my whole life in one. That is crazy to me how much I've changed, I guess, with age, you know. You have more necessities and you're young and you're free and you don't need 50 million layers of moisturiser to get rid of your fine lines. But anyway, so we're in Germany and that was like quite the experience because that was my first hostel experience. Yes, guys, I was in a hostel. Now, as I say that, I know some of you may be shocked. Yes, I stayed in a hostel because, yes, I was on a budget and what's a girl to do? So we stayed in a hostel, which was in a room with a few of my friends. I think there was about five or six of us that were in Germany together. And then the room had like, um, I'd say maybe another five-ish, five to six, seven kind of other strangers in there who like had, you know, from all different countries around the world. And one of the nights we wanted to go, it was my friend's 18th, I believe. We wanted to go night clubbing and none of us were 18, only she was and her boyfriend. And we went out that night. They didn't ID us. And then we came back and I was like, I'm about to say something and you're going to be alarmed. I went to bed with my makeup on. I have to pause because I'm just as shook as what you are, guys. I think that was the first and last time I ever did that. And I'm horrified what damage I could have done to my skin. We came home like quite drunk or whatever. And so we um, went just straight to bed and I got my toiletries out to go have a shower and stuff and then just couldn't be fucked. So I remember I went to bed. My I wasn't in a bunk bed. Everybody else was. I was in a single bed against a wall. So on my left side of my body was a wall and on my right side was like the other, other bunk bed with like a bit of space between us. So I remember that I went to bed with my toiletries bag like right next to me on the left-hand side of my body. So like between me and the wall because I was like, I'm just not getting up. I just can't be bothered. Like gross. I've gone to bed with like nightclub grime on me and makeup on. Disgusting. Anyway, I wake up in the morning and my toiletries bag is gone. Someone has leaned over my body in the night to steal my toiletries. Now, I have left Australia under a week. I've been out of the country and I've already lost my three-step program from Clinique, all my hair products, my toothpaste, my toothbrush, everything that was my toiletries. Devastated. And already at this point, I'd only been out of Australia for about a week and my skin was already starting to have an impact on the change of environment. And so then I like I can't afford to go buy Clinique soap, clarifying lotion, you know, the moisturizer, all the nice stuff that my mum had purchased me before I left. So I have to go into like the cheap stores and just get like a bar of soap for my face. Did some very bad things to my skin during that period. And then eventually, like a month or so later, I was like, Mom, I really need Clinique. My skin's so bad. Can you please send me some money? So she was kind enough to do that because she understands how important skin is. But Anyway, so yeah, can you believe that? Somebody leaned over me in the night and that was the first experience of like, Courtney, you have to look after your belongings. Like don't be lazy in the night, one, fucking clean your face and two, put it in your locker. Like they give you a locker and a lock and like with a passcode and everything. And so that was my first wake up call. Like 
you're here by yourself essentially now. Like I don't have my parents looking after me. I'm in this shared space with these people who are strangers just because they seem really nice. You can't trust them. Someone has come, someone in this room right now that I'm here with, obviously not my friends, but these other strangers have climbed over my body in the evening and stolen something from me that was fucking toothpaste and moisturizer. Like, is that even worth it? I mean, it is because it's Clinique, but you know what I'm saying? Like scary. And yeah, that was kind of, I guess my first thing going overseas there, it was a wake up call from the get go that you're here on your own. Now, Courtney, you need to like grow up a little bit. I also had my very first H&M experience in Germany all those years ago. Now we're talking 2004. This is, that's where I am there. Um, And so that was, yeah, like loved that store. And then obviously years and years later, it came into Australia. I was like, bloody hell, the fashion here is so cool. They have all these like accessible brands, these giant stores, like cool, trendy stuff. You know, it was like Topshop, H&M, Zara, all those places were amazing over there. Um, yeah, the other thing that like I want to note about this trip was that Discman's was still what people were using. My friend had just gotten an iPod and that was like the first person I knew to get an iPod. They'd just come out and she got it for like her 18th birthday, I think. But I still had the Discman. But because I was trying to travel light, I could only have like five CDs with me. And I had, I can't remember them all, but I remember that I had Matchbox 20 Avril Lavigne and Maroon 5. And still to this day, if any of the songs from those particular albums come on, I know every single word and it just brings back this memory of like being 17, traveling around Europe with like a backpack. So pretty amazing because like now you can have something that's so light just at the tip of your fingertips, you know what I mean? Like touch the tip of your fingertips, tip of your tongue. The, the, the re- What's the saying, guys? I've amino brain. I can't think of anything. Um, yeah, it was pretty amazing though. I carried around a Discman. I remember being so stressed that my CDs would get scratched because I only had five. And if I lost them, like then I'd have like even less CDs, like bloody nightmare. And I could only travel with one book. So I would buy books at the op shops, then like give it back to the op shop and then buy a new one and just like keep returning it like that. So I could travel around with one book and I wasn't even really a big reader. The next trip that I took was to, I went down south in England and all I really wanted to do on my bucket list was go to this place called Longleat. Had at the time one of the biggest mazes in the world and I'm obsessed with mazes. Ever since I was in grade three and I went to Euro Disney with my mum and my nana and Sam and we went to the Alice in Wonderland portion of the theme park. They had an Alice in Wonderland maze there. And so ever since that day, I've been one obsessed with Alice in Wonderland and two mazes. And so wherever I go places, I'm like, oh my God, there's a maze there. We need to go to the maze. And there was this place in Longleat that had like the biggest maze in the world. And my cousins had told me about it and I was like, oh my God, I must go. They also have like this safari park there, like with lions and stuff. It was really cool. I said to my friend who was organizing the trip, um, that's all I want to do. Like if we go down in that area, like the most Southern point of England, like that's the only thing I want to do there. Anyway, so she planned the trip, but then when we got there, I guess things were a little further away than we anticipated. And we thought we could do like a day trip to Longleat from where we were. I think we were saying like St. Ives, I can't really remember. Um, and it just wasn't something that we were able to do. So we'd travel. I don't even know why we traveled to that area. I think my my friends, because she was staying 
in England for the year wanted to go to all the different places and it was just like a random place to go to. And I was like, all right, like I'm free at that point, so I may as well go there. But that was like quite the interesting experience because again, I was so broke. We were living off like two minute noodles and the rice. So it was this thing that we'd have for dessert. It was basically just creamed rice with custard mixed through. And still to this day, I'll go into, um, sorry, it wasn't La Rice, it was Muller Rice. Australia has La Rice, it's just creamed rice, and then I buy custard and mix it in. Trust me, do yourself a favour, go buy yourself some vanilla La Rice, mix in some custard, you can thank me later. And I used to buy Muller Rice, I also would have like strawberry flavoured or whatever, but I really loved the custard one. We'd have that every night for dinner. And for lunch, we would go to the store, buy a a baguette, like a baguette roll. We'd share it with some Philadelphia cream cheese and ham. Sometimes we would have just ham and cream cheese. So you can imagine how healthy it was. And some nights we would treat ourselves with a peach. And that was basically what I ate like every day in England when I was with my friend Tegan. And for entertainment at night, because we were staying in hostels and there was like no, you know, there was no TV. We didn't have our phones to look up YouTube or anything. None of that existed. This is back in 2004. So we would read a book to each other. I'd read one page, then Tegan would read the next page. Then I'd read the third page. She'd read the fourth page. We would fourth page. We'd literally read out pages of books to each other because we had nothing else to do because that area of England didn't have a nightlife. It was like this really little sleepy beachside town that nothing happened at night. And like also when you are backpacking, you have to rely so heavily on public transport. And so if somewhere meant that we had to like walk like far to get public transport, we wanted to be safe. So we didn't want to do that. So we'd just stay in at night. So it just meant that we would read a lot of books, I guess. So we were reading a lot of like James Patterson kind of stuff out loud to each other. Oh my gosh, that was so funny. The next thing that we did was Barcelona. And I went there with Tegan And I didn't even remember this, but the other day Tegan reminded me that we went to Barcelona without having anything booked. And that is actually the opposite to mine and Tegan's personalities. Tegan's even more like organized, um, you know, very traditional by the book kind of person than even I am. And that's saying a lot. And we went there without anything booked. And on the way we booked this hostel. So we didn't really, because the internet wasn't like, obviously the internet existed, but it wasn't as popular as it is today. So we didn't even really think to like look up reviews of places. And as we got in the taxi from the airport to the hostel we were staying in, the taxi driver said to us and we turned down the street, he said, are you sure this is the address? And we were like, yeah. And he said, okay, don't walk in this area alone at night. And we were like, what? And he said, this street is very dangerous at night. And you can imagine we're about to book in to sleep at this place and he's telling us don't it's very dangerous at night so we were like oh my god what have we done anyway we get to the hostel we get there they take us like right to the back of the hostel we walk into our room and I want to say that there were 20 bunk beds in one room they were like steel reinforced metal in like made into the wall kind of thing. So they weren't like normal bunk beds that are like separate from the room. They were like reinforced into the wall. These big like, I don't know, big bunk bed things, like three layers, um, three, th- three levels is what I mean to say, sorry. And so that was just packed. I was like, oh my God, there's going to be like 30, 40, 
50 people in this room. What the hell? And so we're like, okay, well, which bunk bed is ours? And then he points to the edge of the room. So there's all these like professional looking big like bunk bed things and then points to ours and it's like a, a double level bunk bed that is like looks like it's from like the early 60s. It's like spring sticking out everywhere, rusting, like not part of the rest of the framework of the room. Like obviously we'd book last minutes, maybe they didn't have the space. So they just added on this like shitty bunk bed and we were like, okay, all right. So already we were like very uncomfortable. We're in like this room with like a lot of people. It was unisex. There was just like this crazy bed situation that we had. The taxi driver had said that it was very unsafe. So we were very stressed out. Um, And I will say the one thing that I remember the most about hostels, like even though we've had stuff stolen and we felt unsafe, the one thing I hated the most about hostels, one was no elevators. So you have to like walk up so many stairs. There's this hostel we would always stay at in London and you have to walk up like four or five flights of stairs. It's like the narrowest little hallway. You just like when you're in it, you really think you've been thrown back in time. And it's like a bloody nightmare that, but also the bathrooms, because I'm not like a nude kind of person, like, especially when you're in Europe, there are like women just walking around naked wherever, you know, I think Australians like maybe a little bit more conservative. So you don't see that as often, even when you go to the public pool in England, um, you'll go to the the change rooms and there's just women walking around naked everywhere. Even when I go to the gym here, that doesn't happen that much. But in Europe, that was like, you know, they were a lot freer with their body. I mean, at that point in 2004, I don't know what it's like now, obviously. Um, But anyway, so you go into the hostel bathroom and there'd be just like rows and rows of naked women. But I was like 17. I mean, even now I'm saying I'm 17, like it means anything. I've been the same at every age. Like I didn't want to be like naked in front of people and like putting my body out there. Like I was so self-conscious and so I would have to like get changed in my cubicle because you couldn't even get changed in your room because you're in a room with 20 other people. So you have to get changed in your shower cubicle and it's like floor to ceiling doors, glass doors, but you're, you've just had a shower. So it's just like steamy and humid. And I just remember hating like that feeling of like trying to like put your clothes on while you're just still so damp because everything's just the air is so moist. Oh my God, that word moist. Yuck. Um, I just remember that was just like, even after all the bad things that happened in Europe, that just sticks with me. And even now, sometimes when I get out of the shower into a bathroom and it's like quite like moist air. I just get thrown back to those times where I'm like, wow, I'm so thankful I can go and dry myself in my bedroom and I'll get changed in the shower. Anyway, um, so yeah, we're in Barcelona. It's very dangerous. Another thing that happened in that, there was like this big rave one night in Barcelona. That's not mine and Tegan's vibe. So we didn't go to that, but like everybody at the hostel was going. It's like a thing where everyone goes, they take drugs and they stay there for like two nights. It's just like, you just never leave and you're just partying the whole night. So there was like nobody really in the hostel and like our room was like kind of empty, but one of the people in the room, you obviously put all of your belongings in like a little locker next to your room and next to your bed and you lock it. They had left their phone in there and they left their alarm on. So every nine, obviously back then it probably wasn't nine minutes because they weren't iPhones, but like every 10, 15 minutes, 
This girl's alarm would just go on and on and on and on. And we were just trying to sleep through it. And then finally, like her battery died, but it was like a long time because those phones, you remember those Nokias and the Ericsons, all those Motorola's, all those phones, the batteries lasted so long. And it would just be like this beeping, this incessant beeping. I remember us trying to go to sleep with this alarm nonstop going off. And it's like, will this girl ever come home? And then we realized she was at like the big rave. So it wasn't going to happen. Nightmare. Um, the other thing that happened on that trip was that we did have a, an experience where Tegan got all of her shit stolen, which was a bit of a nightmare. So we were sitting in a McDonald's. So wherever we went, you end up I don't know. We're not like super. We obviously were trying the paella and we were drinking sangria and doing all the cultural stuff that you're supposed to do. But sometimes when you're just feeling like you want a bit of like things that feel like home, you just kind of gravitate towards McDonald's. Every country we went to, it's the same thing. And I always, I've, I've ordered a Starbucks in every country that I've been to. It's just like these things that you remind you of home. And McDonald's is one of those things. And even in the McDonald's in Barcelona, like you can order sangria, you can order beer. Anyway, I remember we went to there just to get a cheeseburger because it's so cheap as well. And we were on a budget. And, you know, I remember one night we splurged, we're like, we're going to get a paella to share and a sangria. And that was like our one night that we splurged. It wasn't even expensive, but for us it was because we were just like saving every, for me, it was like I had a small amount of money to get me through. I didn't even know how long because I didn't have an end date. It was an open-ended ticket. So we went to McDonald's and we were just sitting in McDonald's together and these three boys came in and they were walking around the McDonald's kind of making a bit of a ruckus and I guess drawing our attention away. And as we were looking at the boys, like doing whatever they were doing in the middle of the restaurant, one of the others stole Tegan's bag. Thankfully, she didn't have her passport in there. So they stole like her ID, her her bank cards, her cash, um, that kind of stuff. But that was obviously when we're on limited funds, that was really difficult. And then now we have to share all of my money. We can't go out anywhere that requires ID. So it became quite difficult. We're in another country. We like you go to the police. They don't really care. They were like, we didn't speak English. They were just not into it. They didn't want to help us at all. Then we're trying to like get to a payphone to call Tegan's parents to cancel the the bank cards, but then it's a different time zone. So they're asleep. I'm trying to call my mom to see if she can transfer some more money onto the card because like we've had like all of Tegan's money's taken and we need to be able to pay for things. It was just like a bloody nightmare. I just remember us like running around at night trying to figure out um, how to like get things like sorted when you don't have like a mobile phone and you can't, do you know what I mean? Like it was so stressful. We're like 17 years old with like Tegan's shit's all been stolen we don't know what to do in a crisis. Our parents always handled everything for us. So it was like a real wake up moment, another one where it was like we had to like handle our own shit. And I remember we were like walking back to the hotel, the hostel. Oh, I wish you were walking back to the hotel. Walking back to the hostel and these two guys, Tegan's very good looking. She's tall, um, beautiful. Guys would come up and just start talking and saying stuff. We don't know what they're saying because we don't speak Spanish. And it was just like, kind of, you can assume they're like, hey, good looking kind of vibes. Like, oh, hey, sexy lady. I can assume that that's the kind of vibe of the tone that they're giving off. And they kind of like follow you along. It was very uncomfortable to the point I was like, thank God I'm not good looking. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I could hear them like, they would just say stuff to Tegan. At one point we were like walking back late at night because we were trying to sort out like calling our parents with the payphone, like the whole thing. And it was obviously in that street that was 
dangerous from our taxi driver and these guys came up to us and um, they were like talking to us in Spanish and I like replied back to them, I don't speak English, I don't speak English. I was like so worked up and teens looking at me like, why are you telling them you don't speak English? <laughs> like I was just like so confused and stressed. I'm like, oh my God. And then we like ran away. Um, but yeah, that was a bit of a stressful one. And then we flew back into Heathrow and we were staying in London for a few nights. And by that point, I was I was about to turn 18. So when you're in England, they were like a little bit more strict with your ID. So I couldn't go out because Tegan didn't have her ID because she was the only person I was with. So when we got back to London, we had like plans like going out clubbing or whatever for my birthday and like having a drink, but we couldn't because Tegan had had her ID stolen. And she didn't want to go and bring like her passport to the clubs. So because she had had like by that point, because she was living in England for the year, she had an English um, ID, like an ID that they get. I don't know. I don't really understand the whole thing, but I guess you get an ID when you're over there. I don't know. Anyway, she had like a separate ID thing. Um, and so by that point, because she was so scared about getting a passport stolen because she just had all of her shit stolen, she didn't want to then like risk bringing it out with her clubbing. So for my 18th birthday – we sat on the floor in a hostel in London playing cards with these two Spanish girls eating a baguette with Philly cheese and ham. That was how I spent my 18th. Um, now, we played with these girls. Like, we were in a hostel room with, I think it was like four bunk beds, so eight people. It was a girls-only one, so it was definitely an upgrade from the one we stayed in in Barcelona. And we like sat on the floor playing Kemp, which is like our favorite game that we used to play in high school with all of our friends. It's a card game that I think my friend's uncle, sorry, my friend's granddad invented. Um, and like still all of my friends play it to this day. And now Sam and all his friends play it. It's like a real hit that card game. Um, and we sat on the floor eating this food with them, sharing that. And I think we might've gone and got like passion pop or something. I might've gone and gotten that because my ID was still fine. And we just sat there like getting to know these two um, Spanish girls, like having a good time with them. It was great. And there was, I think, only one other couple in the room, like a couple of girls. So it was like only six of us in there. It was like really low key. Anyway, that was like those girls last night. And they were then staying for like a long haul. So they were being moved into one of the like long haul rooms. So that was their last night in the room with us. And so we'd had a good time with them. And then in the morning, they moved out. And it was actually... Um, our last day. So they had gone and moved into another area of the hostel. It was quite a big hostel. And then we went downstairs to check out. Anyway, Tegan is there at the counter, like trying to sort out everything to like let us check out. And I'm like just standing kind of like a little bit back from like the reception desk. And I see one of the girls that we had spent like the night with for my birthday, like one of the Spanish girls walk back in from outside into the hostel. And I look at her and she's wearing Tegan's top. Now, we had all never really had French connection in Australia. So all of us, when we kind of got to England, like bought those T-shirts that have that like FNCK, I think it is, like or like FCUK, whatever it is. Yeah, FC, French Connection UK, FCUK on them. And so it was like a little bit like, oh, it kind of says fuck, but it is like, oh my God, it's so cool. Anyway, so she walks in with like this very, Tegan had like, it was like a bright aqua blue color with like watermelon, um, like French connection lettering on it. And she had bought it, I think when we were in Germany. So it wasn't one that was from England. 
And I saw this girl walk in with this top and I was like, oh my God, that's Tegan's top. So I turned to Tegan and the girl like then walks, she sort of scurries away and runs up the stairs. And I was like, that is so weird. So I turned to Tegan and I say like, have you got your French connection top? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh my God, open your bags, open your bags. So then we start going through Tegan's bags and my bags to try and find her top. Her top is nowhere to be seen. So we're like, oh my God, this girl has gone through our shit and stolen it because they thought like that they were leaving, we were leaving, they weren't going to see us. So I don't know where this came from, from Tegan, but like it's so out of character for her and for me. We decided to go up and confront her. I don't know who the fuck we thought we were. That is totally not our personalities. So we race up the stairs and we go to the... um. We oscillated, sorry, before we raised it, says we oscillated the reception like, oh my God, we just missed our friend. Do you know what room she's in? And they gave us the room because she knew that they had like stayed in the same room with us. So she thought that we were friends. So she gave us the room number. We like race up the stairs to the room. We get there, we knock, 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 knock. She's not opening the door. And so then I think that there was like a cleaner or someone by and we convinced them to let us in the room. We go in the room, she's not there. And Tegan starts going through this girl's bag. Oh my God. And I'm helping her. We're both there. We're both like comparable. Um, and going through it and there's like all of our clothes are in this bag. So we're like taking out anyway, we like turn around and the girls in the front, the frame. And I was like, hello. It's like, what are you doing? I'm like you stole our clothes. And she was like, no, I didn't. They're my clothes. I was like, no, they're not. They're our clothes. You thief. <laughs> and then Tegan was like, how dare you steal our things? And we were like going through, like going through our bag. Like, this is ours. This is ours. She's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. And we're like, yes, it is. You're not stopping us. So we like grabbed all of it and just like scurried out of the room. Can you believe that? The audacity. So like, there you go. I'd only been there a couple of months and already I'd had three experiences where shit had been stolen. I had stayed in a hotel in London and I went there to visit one of my friends. She was arriving back in the country, was coming to the, England. I'd been to school with her and her friends called me and said like, look, Hannah doesn't know anybody. Would you be willing to go and meet her in London? We'll pay for your hotel room for you to go and like meet with her and make sure she's okay. And I was like, a hotel? Hell yes, I'll do that. And I just remember we were in this really nice hotel, but I remember waking up in the middle of the night and there was a girl being attacked in the alleyway below our hotel room. We were like a few stories up and just the bloody shriek from her screaming from a man attacking her in the street. And then like as we'd kind of like woken up and I'd called the police, like a bunch of people like ran out into the street to help her and stuff. But like I just – you just there was just so much – like I wasn't used to that. I'd grown up in a bubble. You know, you live on the Gold Coast. It's very sheltered. I had been to like a private school. My parents have always gone with me everywhere. I never snuck out at night. The only parties I went to, like my parents picked me up at night after it. You know, like I was a really good girl and I hadn't been like exposed to any of that stuff. Like a lot of privilege. I grew up with a lot of privilege. And um, I was in a bubble and then all of a sudden I'm thrown into this environment where it's like I'm hearing a girl being attacked in the street. My shit's getting stolen. Like drunk man's trying to touch me at the fucking um, at the train station. I go to a nightclub and a guy's trying to like put his hand down my pants when I haven't given him any consent to do that or any indication that I would want him to grope me. You know, there's like all of these experiences that I'm having that's like, oh my fucking God, you know, it's a lot. And that whole experience just kind of like made me grow up so quickly. Like it was a huge learning curve when I was like 17, just turned 18. Um, you know, learning all of these 
hard knock life things, I guess. Like it's not really what you would say, but I'm trying to find the words to describe what I'm saying. But I think you get what I'm trying to explain here, that it's like I had lived this very sheltered life and then all of a sudden I'm seeing all of these things, a lot of experiences a lot of people grow up with, like, you know, seeing homeless people and all of that, like um, seeing people be attacked, seeing very drunk people getting in fights, all that kind of stuff. A lot of people have seen that growing up, but I have, you know, grown up very privileged, as I said. And so it was like a whole new world for me. Um, you know, and then I'm like, I, I'm eating bread with honey on it for a lot of the period. So I went to one of my friend's houses where she was, it wasn't her house, it was where she was staying at um, one of the schools and she was looking after some of the kids there. And so they would give her free bread every day and honey. And so I ate pretty much just, that's all I had for breakfast, lunch and dinner, bread with honey on it, toast with honey on it, in fact. Um, and yeah, it was just like a, you know, usually I had like my meals cooked for me. It was even the point where it's like, if I need to get to Brisbane, my mum and dad would drive me or I would just get on the train that I knew the stops. I knew the situation. Whereas all of a sudden I'm in a country, I have to figure out how the fucking London underground works. The day you master how that system works, you feel like you could do anything. You literally feel like you could solve cancer because you're like, I figured out how to read the map for the London Underground and I know how to get everywhere. Like it just feels like such a good achievement. Or it's even like when you, because I traveled around a lot by myself as well. When I'm traveling, like say I was traveling from, you know, um, Leeds to Manchester or something, it's like quite a long train ride. You know, you want to sleep on the train ride, but also you don't want to sleep because all of your stuff might get stolen while you're asleep on the train or you might miss your train stop because you have nobody waking you up for your stop and nobody protecting your things. It's like you're always heightened. Do you know what I mean? Like you're just always checking maps and checking times and where am I? Where am I located? You just don't ever feel 100% safe because you're not in like this bubble that I had grown up in, you know? And then I've, I'm going into hostels where I'm sleeping in rooms with strangers. And it's just never things that I had experienced before. Um, and I like now, if you said to me, Hey, do you want to go travel around Europe by yourself and catch up with a few friends as you go? I'd probably be like, Oh my God, no, scary. I would never want to stay in a hostel by myself or travel around in a country where I don't speak the language by myself. Like that's terrifying. But I guess when you're young and carefree and you don't even know the how scary the world can be, I guess. And even what I saw was still very tame compared to what a lot of other people experience. I want to acknowledge that, obviously. But there were some tough things that I did see and experience that I remember when I was at the train station and it was like the main train station in London. And I had like all of my bags. I had a backpack. It was like when I was taking all of my stuff with me. I was moving to like another location to have like stay with my friend in in England. And so I had like all of these things I was carrying with me, a few jackets. And by that point I'd had like, I'd been there for a few months. So I had like accumulated a few things because you have to get different clothes and stuff like that. Like, you know, it gets colder. So you buy more jackets there than what I'd gone with and all that kind of stuff. And so I had like lots of things in my hands. I was staying there waiting for my friend's parents to come and collect me and take me to her place because they were visiting at the time. I was just standing at the train station out the front and this guy came up to me and he seemed like he was drunk. I was standing there. I was 17 at this point and he was grabbing my clothes 
and trying to pull me and touch me. And I was like, excuse me, don't touch me. No, no, thank you. No. He was like, come on, baby. Come on, honey. And like trying to feel me and stuff. And I was like, no, please don't touch me. And I'm looking at passerbys. Like it's a busy station. There's thousands of people walking past me. I'm looking at passerbyers, looking at them like, please help me. Like I'm a young girl. I can't like just rush off because I have all of my bags and stuff here with me. Like I couldn't like just make a fast getaway. Um, and I was like mortified just standing there being like, no, no, please leave me alone. Oh my God, please. No, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Oh my God, leave me alone. I'm not interested. Like try not to make eye contact with him being like, leave me alone. He's like grabbing on my tops, like trying to touch my, the side of my arm and like just making me feel very uncomfortable. And nobody wanted to stop and help me. I'm like looking at them like, oh my God, I'm uncomfortable. Please help me. And nothing. And just out of nowhere, hey, Courtney, I like look, turn around and a guy I went to school with was standing there. I wasn't supposed to be meeting him there. I didn't know what he was doing there. He was apparently there to go to Wimbledon. And he, I just turned around and he's standing there and he goes, mate, like back off and like gets the guy to go away. Just thousands of people at the busiest train station in London and a guy I went to school with just magically appears and helps me out of a very uncomfortable, potentially dangerous situation. Like, oh my God, I can't even, I've never been so thankful in that moment. Like, so there have been like a lot of things that I saw, but all of it, like, yes, they were difficult or whatever. Like, um, yeah, it's scary. And still to this day, when I hear people like kids playing in the street and they're like screaming and making a ruckus, I'm still triggered by the sound of that woman um, in that hotel alley. But it all really helped me grow up so fast. And I didn't realize like how carefree and how much that bubble was. Um, and yeah, it just is like a different time, I guess. And it really did help me start looking at things like in a new way and grow up fast. And I think that's how I was like, you know, when I got back to Australia and I was on like the management track from a very young age and being a leader and being making very mature decisions from a young age because I'd had those experiences that I guess make you grow up a little bit faster. Whereas if I'd stayed in Australia and just did the same thing here and stayed living with my parents and didn't spend that six months over in Europe, just having to like really look after myself, I probably wouldn't have grown up so much. Anyway, so I just kind of wanted to share that with you. I don't know like how interesting you're finding these story time chats, um, but you kind of voted for it. I was originally going to go down like, oh, what are some funny stories? But I was like, oh, I don't know how funny they are. I'll just share like what happened in Europe. So yeah, I don't know if this is the kind of content you'd like to hear more of because it's more personal stuff that you'd like to get to know me. I know my Ask Me Anything podcast got like a lot of downloads. It was like one of my higher downloaded episodes. And so obviously you were interested in that more like personal aspect. Um, but yeah, I think that it just, I guess, has formed part of who I am. And a lot of people who know me now might not think that I ever did any of those like crazy things because it's just so like not my personality. I seem so like straight by the rules, you know, straight and narrow, kind of like never going like would never book an ticket to Europe with no return date. You know what I mean? It seems like a little bit out of character, but I guess it's like built me into who I am. And it has made me kind of reflect just thinking about all of these stories to tell you guys. It's made me reflect a little bit. And it's the same thing with the cancer that now that that's kind of behind me, 
I want to do more things where I am a little bit more spontaneous and like more bucket list things. I do get very stuck in my ways and I work a lot and I'm trying to build a lot of things that I'm doing and that's great. But then I don't like, you know, for example, this is not the same thing, but I've never had like an afternoon cheese and wine sesh on Burley Hill. And I feel like that's like an iconic Gold Coaster thing that everybody has done that, like in a, within a certain age group, I guess. Um, and like I've never done that. You know what I mean? I've never done any hiking trails on the Gold Coast. Um, you know, I never have seen the glowworms up at um, Mount Tambourine or like there's all these Gold Coast experiences that I've never even done because I just do everything that like is safe to me and I'm in my safety zone, I guess, where I'm comfortable and I want to start like pushing myself a bit more. Like I want to go and do like sip and paint classes and pottery classes. Maybe I want to go see a drag show and like maybe I do want to go on a hike. Do I want to learn to do a new skill? Like, you know what I mean? Like all these things that I haven't really done before, like now that I'm reflecting on this and reflecting on the, putting the cancer behind me and I need to live my life, I see how like carefree I was and how many great experiences. Like I've just shared with you, like obviously the big things that happened when I was in England, like the alarming things, the more interesting things, but there were so many great experiences that I had as well. And I learned so much that, you know, I feel like I could do with being a little bit more free. This has shared, this has kind of opened my eyes to that this week. Anyway, moving on to attitude of gratitude. This week, I'm really grateful for nature, random. But I had someone, um, Fabienne from YCL, had flowers delivered to me this week. And also, I've had flowers for the last couple of weeks because Sam had like a whole installation put in at the office. I bought some flowers for myself at my house. I had a few other people give me flowers because of like congratulations for the immunotherapy. And flowers just like make me so happy. They just change your space completely to make you just like so like, oh, that's so nice. And it's the same with like, being outside in nature, it just is this really calming, nice, happy effect to it. And so I'm just really grateful that I live in a place that's not like a big city that doesn't have any access to like any real nature. And that the Gold Coast has like lots of that still, even, you know, when you are in the more city-ish places, you know, like I'm in Bundle right now, but we have this really nice greenery and trees and stuff around us. So I'm just really grateful for nature. Anyway, Let's finish off with this week's thought of the week. It is a quote that was unknown. The only adventure you regret is the one you didn't take. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I'll be back next Tuesday with a new app. But in the meantime, remember to make some memories and protect the skin you're in. Follow me on Instagram at Courtney Mangan and at She Was Sophia. Subscribe and share. Bye.